0: Hello and welcome to After Extra Time, your weekly footballing podcast with me, your host, Jack Godfrey. Uh, My two co-hosts are once again here. That is the Millwall One, a.k.a. Jacko. How are you, mate? I'm very well, mate. Yourself? All good, mate. Yeah. And of course, the diva himself, a.k.a. Mr Adam Green. How are you, mate?
3: All right, Jack. I'm looking forward to this one, bro.
0: Yeah. So... Before we obviously start on our uh, own little part one bit, um, part two will be with Championship linesman Akil Hausen. So we're looking forward to that one, getting a nice insight into how, you know, the match day officials obviously do their thing, how he got into it, um, his thoughts on VAR and much more. So, yeah, it should be a good little. Uh, Good little part two that should be.
3: Yeah, don't don't abuse him, boys, because I know you boys have got your team, so don't oh, abuse well. Oh, hold
4: on, I was hoping you were going to make notes on how to be a better referee, because I've seen you referee, <laughs> and you're crap.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, that's why I get me free top back. It was and just... if any
4: if anyone abuses anyone, it's you abusing the officials, because I've seen you do it on <laughs> a Sunday.
3: I've not had any red cards in my career, Jocko.
4: I you. came in as an assistant coach to you to stop mouthing off at officials when we did our youth coaching last year. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why I was brought
0: in. Greeny, Greeny, and Greeny you might, still did it. Green, won't be having to go anymore. we will be too busy, but arse-licking. <laughs>
3: I, cha- I might change my name to Mad Dog. Oh,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah
3: that's
4: oh,
3: brilliant.
0: Whilst, right. it's, whilst it's fresh in our mind, boys, we might as well go straight onto to it. Uh, I'm assuming... Uh,
4: but- no, don't
0: talk about it. What? You're going to talk about the England game, aren't you? Yeah, I am, yeah. Oh. Well, I think, you know, it's only right we talk about it. It's a footballing podcast. All
4: three of us are English. I've seen paint dry that was more fucking fun than watching that.
0: <laughs> anyway, Jacko, what were your, <laughs> what,
4: what your thoughts on the game? <laughs> um, well... <sighs> Yeah, Can't move on to me I've got to try and sort of be on the fence But I can't I was really disappointed in the first half I think (laughs) I think Second half I thought we played a lot better But the first half Very negative He's got three right backs in in his side Dyer was terrible Rice and Henderson were doing the same thing Um, You know It it basically, looked like Mount Rashford and Calvert Lewin had to do all the attacking on by themselves. I, I don't think I saw Alexander Arnold involved at all. Trippier looked more likely to be a threat from the back. But then second half, we just changed. We 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 were sort of we were we were pressuring Belgium from the start. We nullified Lukaku, and uh, which was great because Lukaku had a really really good first half. Mount got on the ball more. Rashford got on the ball more. You know, for whatever, however he changed it, either Rice or Henderson went forward with the attack and the other one sat with the back three. Alexander-Arnold and Trippier got more involved and obviously had, um got the assist for, for Mount's goal. Um, so, yeah, I, I wasn't overly convinced uh, if I'm being brutally honest. I, I think for whatever reason, we've got to find a left-back or a left-wing-back from somewhere. Either he doesn't rate Chilwell or he doesn't rate Bertrand or he just doesn't want to pick him for his side. But Chilwell. I think that's going to cost us at times. Chilwell was ill, I think. Um, so, But but why only take one left-back in your squad?
0: I don't know. Uh, I really don't. I'm not too sure what is going on with England <laughs> in terms of how, how he wants he, to play. He had five right backs, either on the field or on the bench. Yeah, in terms of system and how he wants to play, I'm not too sure. Um, You've got basically Rice and Henderson, who are the same sort of player in that midfield. That's what I mean. And I just think there's no creative player in there.
4: Yeah, he missed the trip by not playing Grealish. Uh, I think Grealish had a good game against Wales. Should have given him a go. I was prepared to sub mount if I was in charge, I was prepared to sub mount off at half time, bring Sancho on, but then yeah, Mount scored tor- tor- ten minutes into the second half. Um I-, I think if you're Belgium, you've got to be worried about De Bruyne. You've got to be worried that if teams um nullify Lukaku the way England did, then he might be go a bit quiet. Carrasco had a an interesting day. Uh, a couple of chances he should really have put away. The the one he missed just before he went off, he should have hit with his left foot instead of trying to swap it onto his right. And that would have been, you know, that would have probably made it to all. Yeah. Um, I, I think, yeah, it, it was just an odd game. And I'm just not convinced about England at all.
0: Yeah, Greeny, what did you make of it, mate?
3: Uh yeah, I agree with Jacko, mate, in, in most aspects of it. Um I thought That's best a shock. Player... yeah, it is a shock, isn't it? Um the best player for me on the pitch, mate, was uh, Trippier. I thought he played an amazing game. And I was probably sticking out with him, because it does he did look good. But again, mate, I don't I don't, I didn't think it was fancy, not by any means a penalty. Yeah, fair enough. Two penos in the game and then obviously that looping goal. From But nothing to write home about. Yeah, we beat a a good Belgium side, but I don't think it's out to write home about, the way we played. Still look a bit (laughs) lackluster. I can't even get it out now. Still look poor. Lackluster. That's the word I'm looking for. I couldn't get it off my tongue. Uh, Yeah, still look lackluster.
4: He's trying, bless him.
3: I'm trying to get it out, but I can't get it out. So let's move on from that. But no, no. I mean we will probably qualify now in a way, I would have thought. But I think there's a lot of improvement to do, mate. And like Jacko said, what what are they doing with all these right-backs? Where are these left-backs? Unless he's going to turn the right-backs into left-backs. But he's got to start looking down the leagues, I think, now. Championship level, maybe. Because how many left-backs are there English in the Prem?
0: Well, you've got a few. I think Jacko said, didn't he? You've got Chilwell, you've got Luke Shaw, you've got Bertrand... You've got
3: thing is, are, are he's playing well for the, for the club, though? I mean, Luke Shaw to me is bang average. I don't rate him, chill yes, well, I... fair enough. I
0: mean, chill well yeah. chill. Chill for of me if he's fit and available, starts for me, yeah.
3: yeah, and me. But and then Trippier played a good game,
0: yeah, he did. Um, but... yeah, are you the, the problem
4: you've got with that is if you're going to play him as your left wing back every game, is he going to be consistent or not?
3: Who Trippier,
4: yeah,
3: I think he'd be more consistent, Jacko, now than what he, what he was. Because I, I don't know, but I feel athletic turned him into a different player. Maybe, but, uh,
4: but you surely you'd want to have cover for someone who actually plays that position. Because it's all well and good. Because Lukaku, you know, what, one way you could look at it is, he's put, played Tripper out on the left because Lukaku plays out there and he cuts in onto his left foot. So Trippi is yeah. on his strong side. But, all right, there are going to be teams out there that will have a right-footed right-winger.
3: You know, yeah, I get, I get that. Yeah, so you're yeah. going to
4: have to have someone who's going to be able to sort of stop the crossing because if Trippi mm. gets turned onto his wrong foot, yeah, he's mm. a good player, but he, the, he's going up against an international right winger. So guarantee that player is going to be good as well, and he's then got a half a yard to get across it. And yeah, I'll, I'll be honest, mm. that that defense didn't look uh, sound today. You know, mm. Dyer's mistake for the goal. You know. Yes, Lukaku had the pace on him, but it was a stupid challenge to commit inside the penalty area. He never got anywhere near the ball. Maguire's out of confidence because he's part of a United defence that's just shipping goals as if they're going out of fashion. Um, you know, Kyle Walker's not a centre back, but he's, at times, he looks shaky as well because Lukaku got in behind him.
0: I thought he was England's best player.
4: They? I'm not. I'm not saying he wasn't. No, but no. there are there, there are going to be question marks. You know, there were a couple of times where Lukaku got in between. I think, Lukaire yeah, and Walker and Walker's lost him. The only reason Walker's made up for it is because he's quick enough.
3: I... While you're on that subject, Jacko, with Lukaku, mate, I think he, I think he's a different player now since oh, he's gone over 100%. to uh, Milan. Yeah, he's yeah. lost his weight. He looks quick. He looks physical. he looks the last the player. Yeah. I think. So
0: Green, you were against him for a podcast two oh. weeks ago.
3: I was. I was. Oh, but, Here we go. Like I said, since he's gone Milan, I went on about when he was at
0: United. Yeah, but me and Jacko said he was got... playing in a system that didn't sort of favour him and he was still sort of scoring. No, but I'm going Which,
4: about, oddly I'm enough, going... is what the commentators in the game said he was part of the United I'm, time. I'm, Gary yeah, Neville I'm, said I'm... it and Neville's United. It's funny that, isn't it? <laughs> I'm,
3: I'm talking... Yeah, but I'm talking about <laughs> his physicality and his and his speed what he never had at United, I'm not not going on the formation side of it. I mean, but since he's left, United had gone there, he looks a lot more physical, a lot more in shape.
4: I, I've, maintained, pace. I've maintained for a while now, I think since Everton, I felt Lukaku was one of the best strikers in Europe. I really, really do. Yeah. Um, the guy is a beast and he's at a side that utilised him for how he should play football. United didn't and they cashed in on him. And it's a big mistake. I really do think it's a big mistake. If United utilised them properly, we wouldn't be having a lot of questions about United. Well, more, more... We wouldn't have many attacking questions about United. Now, we probably have the same defensive ones because United look shaky. But Lukaku, to me, is one of the best strikers in Europe. And it shows with how well he's playing it into Milan. And the...
3: Do you think it made it easier for England tonight due to the amount of uh, Premier League players Belgium had in their squad?
4: No. I Neither think what either. made it easier was the fact that Lukaku got nullified and De Bruyne went off with about half of the second half to go. And if you're Man City and you've already lost Aguero and you've already lost Jesus, if De Bruyne is out for the game against Arsenal, I'd be worried about that as well.
3: Well, yeah, there is that. But if you go and look at Belgium, squad and all, Jacko, uh, you've got Tillemans, Castagna, uh, De Bruyne. I'm sure you can name more but from Premier League it's, I just thought because they're all in a prep maybe <laughs> the players have got a bit more insight of how they play
4: No, I wouldn't say that I just think Belgium are a very, very good side and how Belgium have not won anything yet is amaz- amazes me because on paper that is one of the best sides in Europe That hence why they're number one in the world mm. um, which amazes me because they've not won anything yet they're the best side in the world um, so, you know I think it it's helping Belgium bring their talent forward by having the likes of Castagne, Thielemann, uh, Alderweireld, uh, Lukaku, De Bruyne, Mignolet, you know, Origi. There's, there's tons of these players that have played in the Premier League, so they've, it sort of helped mould them. And mm. they're now bringing the talent or the next batch of talent through, which, because of how well these players have done in the Premier League, and how well Belgium are doing, it's probably giving coaches, well, oh, this kid, this Belgian kid looks quite good. Let's bring him in. And if he works out well, then that's another one that Belgium, uh, Belgium can use. So it, Bel, Belgium are going through a good set of players at the minute. It's whether or not they can utilise them enough to win something on an international stage. Even if it's the, the Nations League, it will still be a bonus for them. So no, I, I think it's I think it's positive for the fact that Belgium can bring in these players, not because of the fact that they know how to play against England.
0: Yeah, yeah, good point. Yeah, yeah. I, think, uh, I think I think I'd I think the main threats were Lukaku and uh, De Bruyne, and obviously with him going off, and England got a lot tighter to Lukaku in the second half. And I think they even at yeah. times even at times doubled up on him. Um, yeah, which would have you know clearly stop the fret um, coming into some of the week's results um, I was very abrupt in the Facebook live and I brushed past them um, so I apologise to our uh, home nation listeners um, going on and greeny, uh Northern Ireland mm. drew one up with Bosnia and won on penalties um, yeah. surprising or a good result for them really
3: yeah it is a great result mate Bosnia are, are not a bad side to be fair and um, I'm, sure, I'm sure the Northern Irish would have took that result, mate, before the game. And it's nice nice to see them doing well. And I, I do keep an eye on them. I keep an eye on all of, all of ours, Scotland, Wales, Ireland. And it's nice to see them doing well. I mean, uh, I'm not going to touch on Scotland yet because you have gone on to them. But again, that was nice. But yeah, it was a fantastic result for the Northern Irish. And I like the manager in charge as well. I think he's decent. I like him.
0: Yeah, Um I'm more in fun with Northern Ireland than any of them, really. Um, Jacko, Ireland drew 0-0 with Slovakia and lost on penalties. And then they drew yeah. drew again 0-0 to Wales um, this afternoon. Do yeah. they have a problem with scoring goals or are they just yeah, They enough? do.
4: I, I think they've been struggling for goal scorers since Keane retired, personally. Um, I, I think there's a lot of issues there behind the scenes. Obviously, McCarthy came in for a second stint, then left before they I think he'd even oh no, he might have taken charge of a couple of internationals and then he left at the start of this year. So there's a lot of things going on in Republic of Ireland's structure. Um and I think it's gonna hamper them. They they've got a, a they've got a good set of players they have. Um but what I feel they lack in is an out and out goal scorer. And it's the same with Wales to be fair. Mm. I think Wales and Republic of Ireland have got good squads. It's just they haven't got goal scorers, um, and I think that's where they're gonna they're gonna lack going forward. And I think that's where they're gonna have
0: issues trying to qualify for tournament. Um, yeah, I think I mean they've obviously got Shane Long at front who started today. Um, he's yeah, obviously but, not playing yeah. regularly, and he's obviously probably short of confidence as well. So. But Shane Long hasn't been playing well for the Premier League for the last sort of two or three seasons. Well, I mean, yeah, there is that. And there's the fact that he's probably not even first or second team sort of striker for Southampton. So, yeah. you know, he's got to get him ahead of Che Adams, who's obviously been brought in and started to play more regularly, um, finding a bit of form. He's obviously not going to get in front of Danny Ings. So, yeah, um, I agree with you, mate. I think their sort of second choice striker today was sort of Sean Maguire, who plays for Preston. Yeah, so it's you know, I think.
4: I mean, he but he's a good championship player. He is a good championship player.
0: Yeah, but he's not the sort uh, of is he international caliber.
4: Up. It's like exactly. It was like when Steve Morrison got called up for Wales by John Tossack. You thought, yeah, that's great as a Millwall fan because you've got a Millwall player playing in a home nation side with the likes of Bale, with the likes of Ramsey, but he couldn't cut it at international level because the defenders are a lot. Better than the ones that he was playing in at the time in League One and the Championship. Um, you know, it's just it's a different calibre, and if they don't have those sort of players available, then they're going to struggle.
0: Yeah, I think I was talking to my mates about it, and I was saying you obviously got to compare. Well, even like Wales, you know, obviously without Bell, etc. Um, Scotland, not all of them really. Yeah, and then you sort of compare, like, England have got Kane, France have got Mbappe, you know, I'm just trying to think of any others, you know. Um, Germany have got Werner, etc. you know. Everyone, you know, in a lot of countries like that have got quality strikers and then they've got depth as well. So, yeah. you know, you're always going to struggle, especially in international sort of thing, set up, if you've not got a top goal scorer. Right? It's all well and good being able to defend and stuff, but if you can't break teams down, then, you know, like you said, you're going to struggle to sort of qualify for major tournaments. But even if you have a look at the history, you know,
4: Strikers England have have scored like 40-plus goals. Aiton, Shearer, Owen, Lineker, Rooney. There's five there. For Ireland, I can think of um, Robbie Keane. For Northern Ireland, I think of David Healy. I think David Healy's their most, or their top goal-scoring forward of all time. Wales, they had a few. They had Hartson, they had Bellamy, they had Earnshaw, they had Rush. Um, Scotland, I don't know. Ali McCoy, maybe? Maybe. But what I'm saying is, in comparison to sort of players or out-and-out strikers for your national side, England and Wales have got the most. But then Republic of Ireland, Northern Ireland and Scotland are lacklustre. And yeah. again, as I say, I hate to reiterate it, but I think that's where they're just going to have issues.
0: Yeah. Moving on towards Scotland then, Greeny. They obviously drew 0-0 with Israel mm. and then won on penalties. Um, yeah. Good result for them?
3: Yeah, I watched that game, mate, and I'm watching the game now, Scotland-Slovakia. Um, you think It's the same as what Jacko's just touched on, really, mate. Scotland just struggled for that striker. Mm. They play some good football, and Clark, Steve Clark's gone playing some great football, mates, but they just ain't got an end product. So, and again, now I'm watching them, mate, and they're, they're good defensively, but they've got Fraser going forward but, and John McGinn, but there's no actual goal threat, if that makes sense. Do you know what I mean? So, they're a good side, but they're missing that that final product, mm. like Wales and Ireland, so... It'd be nice to see them again qualify when they've got the uh, playoff final. It'd be nice to see them do it, but they need obviously need goals to mm. do it. So, And they haven't got that at the minute. And I don't think there's really a striker of what stands out for Scotland, is there? No, not really. Obviously. really? Like you said,
0: he's Ryan Fraser. There's like Ollie McBurnie, but it's, again...
3: You're John McGill. It's not really anyone. Yeah. I think you like If you're going off a big star, I know what Jack has just said, obviously, like, with Wales, you got Bale and, and stuff like that. I suppose you could say for Scotland what Tomane, nah. maybe. Well,
4: is not an attacking minded
3: player, though. That's the problem. No, no. I'm just meaning like as a as a, as a yeah, player. Yeah, as yeah. As I th- for the nation,
0: probably. Scott I don't think he's Tomine. that sort of bigger name, though. Really, I don't I don't, I don't. I don't. I don't personally. I don't rate him either. I mean, he's playing in the back three. I think, and for Scotland as well. So,
3: yeah, he's doing the job, mate. I mean, he's doing the job. He's still got. I think he's got a lot to prove. Yeah. Um, but again, like Jacko touched on earlier, mate. He's probably playing in a poor Man United side at as, as present.
4: The problem is, do you know what I mean? The so problem, com- as well, is with the home nations outside of England. Football isn't the be all and end all. I think in Ireland it's Gaelic football and then rugby. Mm. Um, Wales more rugby than anything. Rugby, yeah. Scotland's probably a little bit towards more football than rugby, but rugby's still a big thing. So. <laughs> uh, but, but the point I'm making is you're, you're going to have games. <laughs> because as well as the size of England compared to Scotland compared to Wales you're going to have a bigger chance of a catchment area to get these players but if football mm. isn't sort of the main sporting sort of pedigree that these, these nations have they're not going to have that player talent compared to the likes of them.
3: No, I get that mate but I think fans now are starting to to buy more into football obviously like the Scots and all that want to obviously match at least England I'm not going to match them in standard yeah. more, but they want to get do to, you want to get to these finals Jack? yeah yeah Joe, no I get that and, and, and compete so I, I get where you're coming from yeah it's not enough talent no. in, uh, well, I, I think, I think the there?
4: question as well is sorry Jack I know it's your pod but right, the, the question as well is the quality of the leagues that they do as well this is what I was going to
0: say yeah this was my point. you know
4: the, yeah. the only two decent sides or three decent sides or four decent sides out of Wales were Wrexham, Newport, Swansea and Cardiff. And they're not in the Welsh League anymore.
3: They are. But where do you, going on that, Jacko, where do you place uh, the leagues then from the Scottish League to the Welsh League to the Irish League and the Northern Irish League? Out of them four, what what would you say is that the most uh, Scottish highest? Print,
4: probably, I was going to say it's is probably Scottish football. Firm. Um
3: and then, what, what, where'd you put the, re- the other? I'd three? probably
4: go Scotland, Ireland, Wales, and Northern Ireland. I, the only reason yeah, I say yeah. Republic of Ireland ahead of Wales is a lot more of the Irish sides are more likely to win that top flight and get a chance of going into Europe. Well, I was going to say, you've got two like Dundalk and that, haven't you? Yeah, yeah Shamrock, um, well, Cork, Derry, some of those are really good sides. Whereas in Wales, you've got TNS. Um mm. Airbus and I think new another Saints. one.
0: Is it new? new yeah,
4: that's TNS. Oh, yeah. And I think Connor Key as well. Like, like you yeah.
3: touched on. Connor's
4: Key, yeah. And yeah. an island in Northern Ireland you've got Limfield, or well you used to have Limfield, Limfield yeah. Ren Soran and Lim uh, not Limerick. Um there's a couple of others as well, but then they're not that after that, that's it. Yeah.
3: In- I mean, you'd probably put Wales higher, wouldn't you, if, like you said, uh, Swansea, Cardiff... Newport, yeah, if those
4: were in there, up. then definitely. But, you know, for whatever reason, they felt they were better served in English football. And if you have a look at where they are, I think only Wrexham are not in the actual Football League. I think they're in the Vanarama National League. You've got Newport, who are near the top of League Two. You've got Swansea and Cardiff are in the top of the Championship. You know? Mm. So, yeah... It's difficult because unless they develop those those leagues and more funding is pumped into those leagues, until that, I think, happens, you're then not going to have the players that are good enough to make international level unless they get picked up by some of the bigger teams and they're then actually played instead of just being stuck in Man City's under-23s for five years.
3: Yeah, I mean, I know we've I've been on it about it before, about um, obviously Scottish teams coming into the Prem and stuff. Do you feel like some Irish teams should come into the EFL, lads? I mean, you know your EFL stuff. Would you like to see like don't, Irish teams don't, and stuff in there?
4: Yeah, I was thinking about this as we were talking about it. I, I think they should follow rugby and merge. What, what Rugby Union do is they have the top teams in Ireland, the top teams in Wales and the top teams in Scotland in one division.
0: 14, yeah.
4: yeah, and so I feel if they were to do some things like that, that may help but they'd have to have a lot of funding behind it to do that. I think you could probably have the SPL, if you were to have the Scottish Premier League sort of merged into the Premier League and then have from the Championship in that down to League Two and maybe the Highlands divisions, and then have the top tier the top tier in Wales, top tier in Ireland, and a couple of the tiers in Northern Ireland, and have that in a, its own sort of FA, then you yeah. might get something. But again, unless the funding's in there, it's not going to work.
0: No. I think that could work though. But like you say, if the funding was there, I think that generally, yeah. like the Pro 14 system in rugby could work because I think it would attract more sort of homegrown players into that sort of league, especially if the quality lifted a little bit. Yeah.
3: But where do they go from that though? That's what well, well, think- You know, well, I think it... Do they get promotion to the EFL? No. That, oh, no. Or- I think... I
4: think it's their their league system, but then it gives them a better chance of more competitive games for Europe. Um, It might sort of broaden that horizon for other teams to come out of nowhere to get into Europe. Um, And then what you could do, because I know they used to do it, um, is they'd sort of have an Anglo-Welsh Cup. Have that. Have Mm. the EFL and the, I don't know, UKFL have a, a cup and have those in, in like a tournament in the summer or something.
3: Well, well couldn't you chuck them in the uh, Carabao Cup?
4: Yeah, maybe, but well, with what the Premier League want this year, they, they may not have the fucking Carabao Cup to go into anyway, hypothetically, if this was all no. to go ahead. So I, I think that.
3: Or that other cup, what's oh, it the other one? Is it the, the lower league? Y- the top go in there? ones,
4: maybe, but again, it's whether or not people would want to see that. And if the funding behind it, they'd have to invest in the funding in those cups more so that teams have got mm. fiscal reasons to sort of want to compete in those.
3: Well, I think fans would travel because obviously, like I don't know, say they got put in that Leasing Cup and you got pulled out against an Irish team. I think I'd travel to yeah, them. Would you do it on a well, Tuesday got-
4: night, though? No. <laughs> That's the thing. If it was a weekend sort of cup fixture, then yeah, maybe. But if you're going to do it on a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday night, no one's going to want to do that.
0: I think a weekend. I think a weekend could work because no. you'd have sort of like groups of lads yeah. going away for the weekend sort of thing. But I think midweek, yeah. midweek, yeah. you would You'd you'd get no. you'd barely get hundreds of fans. You would. You yeah, you struggle to get up to like hundred fans. I think. I think what you could
4: do is sort of an EFL and a UKFL sort of scrap the league cup because the Premier League don't want that. Which is fine if they want to scrap it, replace it with this Anglo UK League Cup thing, and have the championship to lead to and this Pro 14 tier, and have that in a big cup, and then have a big final at and what you could do is you could alternate it at the big stadium. So you could one year you could have it at Croker Park, you could have it at Principality, you could have it at Murrayfield in Scotland or or Parkhead. Or Wembley in one year. And and that way you'd sort of, on a Sunday or a Saturday, you could have fans from Ireland come over, fans from England, and it'd just be a big piss-up to watch a good game of football.
3: Yeah, it sounds good.
4: Yeah, in principle it sounds good. But the problem is with the way that the money's divvied up now, no one would anyone be interested in doing that.
3: Well, it's about time after t- after it's yeah. time. Get on it.
4: Yeah. If anyone from the governing
3: is
0: listening, can you make send me an email? Yeah, we'll just we'll we'll start a, a GoFundMe page. Everyone, chuck it. Yeah, yeah. In. We'll yeah. get it set up. Yeah. <laughs> right, boys. That's good little chat. To be fair, I think we've gone to talk about home nations and we've ended up creating our own little league system. <laughs> I'm going uh, to go now and a database for it. Exactly, yeah. So uh, if that system starts coming about
3: And we've got we've got um we've got yeah, yeah. Exactly. It, so we're all
0: right. D- Dean Ammon's running the fitness side. Um yeah. No. <laughs> we'll call system... it the Extra Time yeah. League I think. Yeah, yeah exactly. after extra time cup, mm. yeah. yeah. You know, if this, if that system yeah. starts coming about we'll have to take copyright and take the money for it. Um anyway, boys, I don't know if you saw it. Obviously um well, it was breaking news this afternoon. Um, mm-hmm. Liverpool and Man Utd were proposing in a major shake-up in English football. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you boys saw it. Um, yeah. Fucking fuming. So... I
3: haven't seen it, so you might uh, have to uh blow, well, basically, it
0: for me. I'll tell you, community. Um <laughs> <laughs> Basically, yeah. the, well, it's mainly Man United and Liverpool that were uh, sort of running this idea. They're proposing a shake-up for the the Premier League. And um, there's a lot of sort of things that they want to propose to put in. The first of which was... this: um, They
4: want to change the Premier League from 20 clubs to 18. 18. Yeah,
0: 18 teams. Um, They want to scrap the EFL Cup and the Community Shield. Yeah, scrap the Cup and the Community Shield. They want to... They said the third, fourth and fifth place team play the 16th place team in, in like a tournament sort of base thing. Um, so basically what it
4: happens is it's a playoff. So the, the, you have two teams that go down automatically. Yeah. And the 16th place team mm. will play in a playoff against mm. the third, fourth and fifth place team in a championship. And mm. it's like a playoff as normal. Um and so then, yeah. Oh, what a and apparently the financial package would be um a
0: sort it of... was i think it was it was twenty five percent of the premier League annual revenue would go to e f l clubs yeah. um two hundred and fifty million pounds would be paid up front to e f l clubs um there were some positives though it was it was some, and then there was another one about the nine clubs that have been in the premier League the longest would dictate the running of it.
4: Um, hold on so that's United Arsenal Chelsea Liverpool um, Everton uh,
0: Man City yeah it's well I think you can see where it's coming it's It's, it's very money based big six bollocks that's what it is the only good positive thing that I saw about it was they were saying that away tickets were 20 quid and that away travel would be subsidised and they'd like a return to safe standing that was the only other um positive thing. But it said something about oh, having no. twenty four teams in the championship as well. But I think like Jacko said, I think the main reason is the big nine are clearly teams that are very, very money driven. Um yeah. and I think why well, fix something that isn't broken? Um so greedy you've obviously we've we've kind of told you a little bit about that. I mean I don't know what do you, what do you think to that? Are you Yeah oh. Yeah oh, I'll I'll swear I'll I
3: <laughs> anyway. So. well I think it's an absolute load of bollocks, mate. It, what they're doing is so they've got more money more yeah. money going in their pocket. They've also then got a good chance of winning the fucking yeah. league themselves. And why should a championship side play a fucking Premier League side <laughs> at that time when they've got probably yeah. better players and a bigger budget? So the odds on, really, are you'd fancy the Premier League team to beat the championship yeah. side anyway. Fuck off. The championship lads have worked the bollocks off for the season to get in the playoffs, so they should play the lads in that playoffs, in that league. Not fucking about with the Premier League. And I, and I feel sorry for the Championship Club. They put all that work in, then you think, you put all that work in, and then, you, oh, yeah, lads, you're in the, well done, you're in, you're in the playoffs. Your next game's fucking Chelsea. I'm not saying they're going to finish 16th, mm. but you know what I mean? Or, or it could be Aston Villa. It could be Villa there. You wouldn't fancy that. If you was a Millwall, like Jack was a Millwall fan, he got in the playoffs. And you could either play Jacko, O'Lot, I don't know, Barnsley, who have just snuck in the playoffs.
0: That's a fucking shit season of Millwall know, and Barnsley. Yeah, gosh. In the <laughs> I
3: know, but yeah. my argument is, but if, if you pulled out and you were meant to play Barnsley, but then all of a sudden you're fucking playing Aston Villa, Jack, and you must be pissed as a Millwall fan thinking oh, this could be an idea. It's a
4: frustrating one because they obviously feel that if they were to use this as a way of structuring the, the league, they think they're doing enough mm. to keep clubs from going bust, which isn't the case because they need more than that. There's 72 teams outside that Premier League. 25, 250 million over those 72 is not going to cover the cost for everybody.
3: No. Well, that's why they should donate that fucking 15 pound pay per well, view yeah, to the EFL and I totally, teams.
4: I totally so agree with spin that. On that? Um, you know it's the same playoff system that they have in Scotland if that's the case as well as a few other leagues around around Europe which I I just I hate that if you know you've played with this team these groups of teams this season pit yourselves against them they're the best ones of
0: that league well i think going green
3: so so next up they'll be taking it like um like rugby then so you finish top you don't win the prem you got to do a playoff
4: Well, that's That's oddly enough, that's where I was going with it. They're sort of ring fencing the Premier League. Yeah. Because if if you cut that down to 18 Mm. teams, top nine in that Mm. are going to finish in the top half of the table every year. And then it's a case of, well, the other nine teams have got to fight for themselves because we're just going to sort of run away with it all. You know, I think as well, a lot of those big, big teams probably can afford with the the sponsorships and the merchandise and all that sort of stuff could probably afford more than the 250 million that they're agreeing.
3: Yeah, I agree. And I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I know, I think Jack and you just mentioned it, that they want to suck off this EFL cup and stuff, but what, but what they're not thinking about, and I think we've touched on this before is that that's great for the smaller clubs to make money. So if we're going to slap this off, where's where's the money going well, to come from? Well, obviously they're then? saying
0: that we're going to pay two fifty million straight up for clubs, and then
3: I get that, but like then, Jacko said, they, it's not going to be twenty two teams. Yeah.
0: Prem revenue goes to lower league clubs, but yeah, like say if they
3: yeah, if they're saying it's two
0: hundred and
4: fifty million for the rest of the football league, so that's seventy two teams, that's three and a half million per team.
3: Yeah, it's, oh. not, it's not viable nah. mate, to even last the season no, I mean
0: like you say I'm just reading the facts not. Right. I'm, oh. I'm not I'm just like saying, saying the thing to you boys I mean I don't know where this money's coming from I don't know who's where where it's coming from like you say I don't know I mean I can kind of but they'll make more money well I, I don't know hey, mate. Jack? like you say I, 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 to be honest mate I don't think well I'm hope, hoping that this is the last year of this I mean I don't know I mean I don't know it might happen it might not I mean if If it does i, I i'm I'm going to go
4: with Stan Collymore on this Stan Collymore put something out on Twitter about this saying that football has become a corrupt greed in, uh, orientated game, and that if they were to go with this proposal, it would ruin football and I can't disagree yeah. with that because I just don't see the benefits for teams out because a lot of the championship clubs, yeah they've probably got decent owners that can probably you know sort of adds to the money that the lack of the 250 million would give. So you could probably pass a bit more of that on. But if that's the case, I guarantee Man City make 250 million in all their fucking sponsorship and merchandising deals anyway. So why not invest, I don't know, 350 million? At least by then it gives some of those chances. Like Bolton, who have had issues with poor poor owners in the past at least they'd be able to clear those debts and avoid the winding up orders that they've been given in the first place
3: Yeah I agree if it happens to me I, I won't be putting a fucking penny in it mate and I'll rather put we'll go down yeah. and watch Town play well, I think- UCL level Enjoy a proper game of football and put my money into a club, or yeah. I think a lot of people said on Twitter me.
0: as well about this, even. I know we touched on it in the live, the, the papers you think the 1495 mm. per thing. I think if yeah. people are really contemplating that, you need to have a, a thing and just say, Do you know what? Go down your local club, pay a tenner, go and watch some local football, have a beer, enjoy some local footy, yeah. put, put some money into yeah. a, a local club, and you know, and support your local clubs because more, obviously this was happening before COVID, but with COVID now. You know, I know, obviously, we are seeing some fans go into non-league grounds, etc. But they're the ones that, that need the money. You know, you Premier League yeah, clubs, yeah. They, don't need, they don't need money. Yeah, they'll say... Obviously, they're saying, oh, yeah, we're losing money with COVID and stuff. You know, you've got teams like Macclesfield who are on their arse purely mm. because of that. And you've got people like Man City who are spending £60 million on a player and they can't fork out a, a million pound or £500,000 uh, to a uh, non-league
4: It's like, it's like my, my argument with Arsenal. They're prepared to pay Walsall four hundred and fifty grand a week. They've re- rejected uh, or turned down the deal from someone else,
2: mm.
4: um, and they've made redundant sixty people. You know, it's it, yeah. There's there's a lot of things wrong with the Premier League, and I, I think. Unfortunately, it's now come to light more with what's happened during COVID. Yes, it's been a tough time for everyone, I get that. But with deals like this, it opens the eyes. The problem you've got, though, is that you will still have people that will spend 15 quid on a pay-per-view game to watch Chelsea versus Man United or something, if it's not picked up on Sky. That's the problem. And I think, I know for a fact, I will not be forking out another 15 quid with the the subscription fees that I've already got now, I'd rather invest that in a local club if I can go to. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah, I completely agree, boys. Um, just looking to yesterday, obviously there was some football being played. Um, obviously mm. there were some internationals being played, etc. Um, but there was also some League 1 and League 2 football. Um, I know we're obviously not League 1 and League 2 fanatics, but we'll... Uh, <laughs> We'll have a little look into it to finish it with, I think. We'll, we'll try and sound like we know what we're doing. Yeah, exactly that. Um, Jacko, Ipswich won convincingly again, um, mm. putting four plus Blackpool and beating them 4 1. Um, yeah. Sort of, I don't want to, I know we keep saying on each podcast, are they going to win the league and they're going to do that? But um, they're sort of setting a nice early pace in the league, one, aren't they?
4: Yeah, they are. I think the, the two closest were Hull and Lincoln, and they got to them got beat this weekend resoundingly so yeah. I, I think it's a, a massive boost for Ipswich which is a good start for them um, you know they've been at this level for a couple of seasons now and I think Lambert's they, they've got a manager who's sort of prepared to be committed to sort of steady the ship and move it forward which is good to see um, and you know you'd like to see Ipswich back in a championship because it, you know uh, apart from a couple of seasons in the sort of early mm-hmm. 2000s and when they were sort of Around in this the sixties and seventies, eighties and when they won it a couple of times, um, you know, Ips, which have always been there or thereabout. Though so to you know to see him do well is it, nice. I don't want to see him come to Millwall because they always get a fecking result against this. Um,
0: <laughs> but yeah, it's it's good to see that they've they've started off this season really well. Greeny, one for you then, uh, Peterborough United. You know we felt yeah. aggrieved that they didn't get into the playoffs due to the uh, points per game. System yeah. uh, last season, they've uh, won the last two mm. games and they sit uh, in fifth place. Are they sort of getting back on the on the horse now and uh, finding a bit of form.
3: Yeah, I think so, mate. I mean, Darren Ferguson, mate, he's, he, he do, always does a good job with Peterborough, and, uh, yeah, we touched on it, didn't we? Where Peterborough's in there at the end of uh, at the end of obviously the season, and then they got kicked out for Wickham, which is a massive kick in the teeth, mate. But they'll be up there, Peterborough up there. Every year, mate, to be honest, it just sometimes they fizzle out a little bit. But I think this year, it's probably a tough league one. I mean, I'm looking at some teams. You've got Ipswich Hall, Charlton, Oxford, Burton. It, it, some big teams in there, really. So, uh, it's going to be difficult for them than normal years. But I think they've just got enough pedigree, mate, to get up. The only thing what lets them down, I feel, is uh, obviously Ivan Tony, mate. What? Yeah, man, I think they've lost goal. Madison
4: as well or they're set to lose Madison. I think yeah. that's the problem with Peterborough. They're yeah. in a situation where... They're, so, they're so getting. So the they Yeah, I don't think McCantony wants to do it. I think McCantony is accepting the fact that he has to do it to keep the club going in the times that they are. And I think if COVID hadn't happened and they had got through the playoffs like they were expecting to at the back end of last season, it might have been a bit different. But they are having to sell some of their better, better calibre players at the minute. So I, I think if they can keep going as they are now, they, they'll do all right. It's just depending if they get to January and a couple more of their players go.
0: Yeah. Just to finish up then, boys, just a little dive into League Two. Um, I know, obviously, we we try and mention all aspects of football here. Yeah. I know that we can't really have the time to go through every League One and League Two game, so obviously we just pick a couple of standouts. Um, I'm sorry if you support a League One and League Two club we don't mention them. Um, um Jacko, Morecambe, who were yeah. uh, down and fighting last season, currently yeah. sat up of uh, League Two. Is that a tenant for the books? or
4: Yeah, it is. Uh, I think, you know, Morecambe have obviously worked hard in the off-season to sort of steady this ship. And, you know, it, it's a tough league, um, League Two, um, with some of the teams that are there or should be there or thereabouts this season. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's nice to see them doing well and hopefully they can sort of keep the run going. And, and build themselves a, a bit of a lead at
0: the top of the league too, yeah, I agree with you. I think um it's always nice to see someone who' struggling the back in the last season, um hopefully you know try and stand there as long as possible um, to finish up with then uh we'll pick uh, Newport on, who were early pace setters, Uh played yeah. sort of i don't want to say yeah. top of the table clash, but it sort of was um Cambridge beat Newport. Is that a uh, a sort of game that's going to see two teams yeah. at the top end of the seat towards the end of the season? Or what do you think? Yeah,
3: yeah I think so, mate. Uh, Newport, Newport are a good a good outfit, I feel. I mean, they've, they've done a lot of cup-up sets, as you both know, lads. Um, they've got to carry that form in the league, haven't they? I mean, if they can beat Championship size, Prem size, you'd feel they could bring it into the league. But obviously, it don't work like that. But Cambridge are even surprised me this year, mate. From, I don't know it's only five games gone but they're up there again which is decent what I thought you might touch on Jack is uh, Grimsby and Oldham for me Can so I'm just going to quickly move on to them but a great manager at, a great manager at Grimsby with Ian Holloway. I, I, <laughs> oh, I, I
4: wouldn't necessarily agree with that
3: There this year. <laughs> I agree I, I only chose it because Ian holloway has got that pedigree for league football and I just thought, you know, he's going to turn that club round <laughs> but obviously <laughs> Oh, so he hasn't done it yet. And then the other one—I know we definitely touched, and I'm sure me and you, Jack, we both said the same on this. Was Oldham when uh, Harry Kuehl went, and we yeah, said we,
2: yeah, I don't, yeah.
3: we don't think he'll do nothing at that club. And and I and I think at the minute we're, we're spot on, mate. The other uh, the game, <laughs> through one game. Harry, yeah. And he did nothing when he was at Crawley, and I was quite yeah, surprised I agree when he you, got his I think, job. Uh,
0: The proof was in the pudding, there. I mean, I'm 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 not. I think Oldham's always been a club that yeah. sort of struggled in the League Two. Um, in terms of trying to yeah. progress at that league table. I know they were fighting towards the back in the last season before the football got stopped and that.
4: Um, I, I know you're saying that Harry Kuehl is not started off well when he didn't do anything in Crawley. I, I think there's a lot of things going on behind the scenes at Oldham that aren't helping that club as well.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. I'm just I, I was going to say, I don't well, know yeah. really why he, he took that job. Maybe he needed no. it. I don't know. I don't, I don't think it was that appealing. Um, but, it a backwards yeah, I step think track? we said, think we said at the time when he got appointed, it was a backwards sort of step. And, you know, I don't, we didn't know why he took that sort of job. Um, I know, obviously, Crawley are in the same league as, you know, would are only five games in, but they are towards the top half of the table. So, yeah, it's a strange one, really. I don't know why he sort of decided to move to Oldham. Um, mm. But Jacko says, I think there's a lot of goings on behind the scenes, though, that aren't beneficial to the club and towards Harry Kill and obviously him not getting results... Uh, on the pitch isn't really helping matters either as well Um, yeah just go through some uh, things as well boys I think you know we've covered obviously as much as we can cover this week obviously in terms of being international break Um, you know hopefully we'll be back next week with some uh, you know when the football comes back Um, you can as always contact uh, us on an email Jacko would look forward to getting an email you know you Mm. can get many uh, apart from his security emails or his yeah, know, yeah emails etc <laughs> you can ca- you can email him on after extra time 2020 at gmail.com he'd love to hear from you um, okay. as always follow our Facebook page where you get all the latest updates on who's on our pods. Uh, we do our weekly Facebook lives on Friday nights on there um, our predictions are on there you know our news is on there everything's on there just give us a follow. follow our Twitter page as well which is obviously after extra time. Um, and I think Greeny's doing the Facebook Live on Friday, I believe. Yeah, um, I am indeed. I believe there's a couple yeah. of special guests, couple of special guests <laughs> that he'll be announcing on the Facebook Live as well. So keep peeled on that. And obviously, part two of this podcast, you've got Akilhausen, who is a championship linesman. So looking forward to that one.
4: Can I just quickly? Sorry, lads.
0: Yeah. Um. I don't know
4: if you're aware this week, it was um, on Thursday, it was World Mental Health Day.
0: Yeah, I'm aware. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
4: Um, I, I just want to say, I know we talked about mental health before. Um, please, uh, from my, you know, I think all of us can agree it's an important thing to talk about. Um, I just want to put out there, you know, if you need someone to talk to, we're always available. There's always, you can always message us. There's numbers out there for you to call, mine, Samaritans. I just want to say it's, it's okay to not be okay and don't be afraid to talk about it. Talk to your mates. People will listen to you. I know it's difficult at times, especially with how COVID has been, but I just wanted to say, you know, from the three of us, we all care for you. We all make sure you're okay. Just, just talk to somebody if you need to.
3: Yeah, good chat there, Jacko. And uh, also, on regard to that line, check back our previous podcast with Marlon King. Um, That goes obviously in depth, like you boys know, boys, about mental health. So if you do want to go back, have a look. It's a great talk, what we've done about mental health with with Marlon. So get on it and check it out again. It's um, well worth a listen. And just another one, Jack, just before we go to part two, is uh, our sponsor, Dean... Hammond, so just, just again mm. thanks for the sponsor, Dean. So it's Dean Hammond Elite Fitness and you can find him on Instagram, Dean Hammond, just click on his link and it will take you to his website. So yeah, massive thanks to yeah, Dean Hammond Elite Fitness. Yeah, I think that's
0: a, uh, a very poignant note for us to end on part one. Um, I agree with you Neil, know, I completely agree with would um, Like I say, these boys, you know, we all know that obviously, like you say, just please do speak out, you know, like you mm. say people would rather hear from you now and and hear your story and listen to you now than, you know, listen to that story at a funeral or something like that, yeah. you know, yeah, totally. you know, whoever, anyone, you know, you can inbox, you can even inbox me on Twitter, not even our after extra, you know, extra time page, any of us just, yeah, please, yeah. please do get in touch with anyone, you know, talking definitely does help, you know, people would much rather listen to you now than, you know, be, than be at a funeral, et cetera. I just think, yeah, you know, hopefully these podcasts, you know, sort of cheer people up and, you know, try and bring a smile on people's faces and, you know, you know, just especially with the times we're in at the moment as well, boys, you know, it's, it, you know, it is, it is hard times out there. So, yeah, please do talk. And, you know, we're always, we're, our messages are always open and our emails are always yeah, open. Exactly.
3: Yeah, get on it. And if if, if anyone is uh, wanting to chat or just want a football chat brighten up their uh lives a little bit, boys. Yeah, come on. John is on a,
0: on a Facebook Live or anything. Yeah, just come and have a Right, boys. Looking forward to part two. So, yeah. Thank you for yeah. listening. Appreciate everyone. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep following our stuff. Keep sharing it. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you, boys, as well. See part you part two, boys. Hello, and welcome back to part two. Of after extra time, your footballing weekly podcast. We have a special guest on this week, and that is Akil Hausen who is a linesman in the EFL. How are you doing, mate? You all right?
1: Yeah, good. Thank you. Hope you are too.
0: Yeah, I'm all good, mate. Um, good. So obviously you're a uh, EFL linesman. So yeah. what sort, what sort of made you get into that?
1: We'll start with that. Um, it's quite it's quite funny, really. Um, I, I used to play, I, I, I love football, I used to play um, and, and my mum's a referee to be fair and when I was 14 she basically just got tired of me sitting on the bench for the Sunday the league teams and not really going anywhere so she just said why don't you just take a course in refereeing? I didn't think nothing of it and literally 14 years later for the past five years it's literally been my job so yeah, I've been full time on the, on, on the championship for the last five years so I, I didn't it was never a dream. It was never a plan. It was it was never meant to be this way. I always wanted to be in the stadiums, but not not as a referee as, as as a player, really.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of people listening to this will will agree with that I, obviously I play Saturday League and stuff like that as well. And I well, that was another one of my questions was going to be how um, how do you think more and more like kids and even adults as well. How do we get them to try and do referee courses or become linesmen and referees? Because obviously, like you said, uh, me included, we all want to play football, but we never really want to be the one in the middle or one on the side. So what do you think needs to be done to sort of promote refereeing and that sort of thing and try and get more people down that
1: route? See, it's it, it's it's all about your passion, really. I, I, I'm, i and like you've just said, I, I'm passionate about football. I'm, if you want to have a debate with me now about for two, three, four hours about the England game, I, I can give you the tactics and all that I'm passionate about football. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and I I got lucky I think in terms of my mum saying at fourteen go and take a course. But what I think they, they should do is just literally, if you're an academy, if you're an academy at, at a young age at, at fourteen, they should put you on a, a referee course. You don't have to take a referee, but put you on the course so you've got the qualification. And then I think at sixteen, when you're allowed, just put them on a the coaching course. Again, they don't have to do it. If they're good enough to be footballers, let them be footballers. But that's what they should be doing in terms of, let's say, curriculum type thing in an academy. That will get numbers in because we all know the numbers that sort of, not fail, but drop out of academies. And then I just think it should be more of a thing to do. like Even on grassroots, put people on coaching and refereeing courses because the only reason people are playing grassroots football, I mean, I don't know if you had a game today or a game yesterday, but it's not too bad now because the weather's okay but in next month or, or the month after that when it's freezing cold you've probably been out with, with your mm-hmm. mates or you, you don't really want to wake up at, in, in the freezing cold let's say the only reason you're doing that is because you love for the game so if you love the game that much why not take a course in refereeing and coaching to give you another option um, if 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 you need it because I mean some of the people I've met some of the games that I've done it's it's well well worth it for the sake mm-hmm. of a a couple of hours out of your life to do a refereeing course. Yeah, I I agree, mate. No,
0: I played yesterday and, uh, you know, we're we're quite lucky. I play in Peterborough League, Division 4, and we still get referees. Um, So, we're obviously quite lucky with that. But with linesmen, we have to do it. Yeah. And, obviously, (laughs) some people are obviously quite reluctant to do it. So, like you said, I think just putting them in those sort of courses would sort of give people more of an insight and... I think, like you said, pe- if people are passionate for football, then you know why don't they get, like you say, free courses with coaching and stuff like that and learn all the aspects of it rather than just playing as well? Yeah. I think we're very one-dimensional, aren't we, in terms of just looking at the players and stuff?
1: It, it's an option as well. It's, it's just such a later option where, because I got in quite young, I, I, I'm OK at the moment and I've probably got 20, 30 years left. So if you did want to play till, till you end up retiring, most people retire whatever level at 35 ish you could you've still got 20 30 years of a refereeing course to take up and it only took me eight years to get to the top level so when you look at it even if you took a course whenever you're playing whenever you decided to put, whenever you decided you want to take a course you could just take a course and you could still take up a refereeing route after you finish playing so you don't have to give up playing whatever level you're playing at but it is just that backup option to just keep yourself going without the injuries, say.
0: Yeah. Do you think, um, as a player, or as a, well, when you did play, do you think that gives you more of a sort of insight into refereeing alignment, or do you think it made it harder? Because obviously, you've been on both sides of it, so you know how hard it can be from both positions.
1: Yeah. Um, it, it it it's a it's a weird. So when I was on when I was refereeing, coming through the system. Because because I played, I always wanted to be players' friends. Um, and I'm sure you know from playing, a referee can't really be your friend. Um, and if a referee is your friend, all you do as a player is just manipulate them and use it to your advantage and just sort of play on the referee. So, yeah, when I was coming through, all I wanted to do was be everyone's friends. I was trying to be everyone's best friend. And in reality, there had to be that sort of assertiveness where I couldn't be everyone's friends. I had to be sort of a bit strong at times. So... It was a good thing in terms of I understood the game, I understood where players are coming from, and maybe it was too good for the players because I was trying to be their friends. It, then when the penny dropped and I realised that I can't be everyone's friend, I have to, I've got a job to do, really. I became better in my refereeing and I then flew through the system. So it's a yeah and no. it. I mean, for Sunday League, I still do grassroots stuff. For grassroots stuff, it's perfect. But if you want to go through the system... Obviously, you have to make stronger decisions. You have to be stronger with players. You have to be stronger with certain people. That's when it becomes a no, and that's when you sort of have to be a bit more stronger and take no- take nothing off players. I of think.
0: Yeah, I, I um, sometimes try and get on the side of the referee, but I'm <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm usually the opposite and getting uh, bollocked by the referee. To be fair, or <laughs> getting the <laughs> talking to To be fair, so um, I'm sure they hate me. Um, <laughs> Going on to obviously sort of football these days, obviously, you obviously don't have it in the EFL, but VAR is obviously a main talking point of most sort of weekends of football. And we've spent, you know, quite a lot of time on this podcast debating it. And I'm sure Jacko obviously has had a lot of words to say on it. (laughs) He's not the the biggest fan of it. Um, what, What, first and foremost, what's your thoughts on VAR? Do you think it's beneficial to the game or,
1: you know, yeah. Yes. Yes. The answer is yes. Um, I've, I was fortunate, fortunate enough to um have been involved in a lot of the training and a lot of the setting up for VAR. Um, the the answer is yes. It's it it's there. And as a referee and at the level that I'm at and the level that the guys at the Premier League are at and obviously higher Champions League etc. Um, you you now don't ever, especially at their level, you would never drive home thinking, "Wow, I've cost." someone a title, I've cost this team this I'm going to be on the front, not front page of papers but for the whole weekend Sports News are going to be talking about me, I know it still happens but the concept behind VAR is that's taken away you're sort of protected in a bubble that at least that decision has been reviewed at least, it's only honest mistakes but at least that honest mistake has been reviewed the way it's working um, it's such a black and white sort of system and there's so much pressure and Obviously, football is such a fast-paced game that you have to make a decision. You have to review that decision straight away. And that's obviously affecting fans' experiences and players' experiences. However, I'll just timely time brief and I'll just say that, yes, I think it will benefit the game. The way it's working at the moment, potentially there could be tweaks, but it's a brand new system. Um, and I think that's probably just the unfortunate thing. It's just a brand new system that's not working to perfection at the moment, unfortunately, for everyone involved, basically.
0: Yeah, I think... See, I, with my sort of point of view, I think it changes week in, week out, because obviously we've seen... Yeah. I think the, the last World Cup, it worked brilliantly, and me and Jack always touch on the mm. fact that it worked really well there. But then last season in the Premier League, we had a lot of like teaming issues with it. Um, yeah. I think at times, you, you can see when it works well, it works brilliantly. Yeah, But then there's a lot of times it, when you kind of think, is it being used in the right way? Um why aren't the referees using the screen? You know, why aren't they reviewing things? Yeah, so I think, like you said, I think it will become beneficial. It's just one of them things where we've got to, like, grin and bear it for the sort of early years while we sort of get those team issues out. But I think eventually it will become sort of beneficial to us. And, you know, I think we've seen times that it has become beneficial as well.
1: Yeah. it. I mean, last season was, there was, I mean, offside is black and white, but then I know we we're all looking at things where, there, I know there's decisions that were highlighted where, someone was literally a, a hair offside and, and they those decisions were given and you sort of look and you think, wow, how's that happening? But it, it's just unfortunate that in the Premier League it was the, the players and the players and managers that all sort of said basically if the referee's going over to the screen then we're just gonna put so much pressure on them and we don't want them to go to the screen because we want to protect the fact that we're a fast paced league. So then our bosses tried <laughs> to keep it like that and our bosses obviously wanted to keep it a no screen policy type thing and then we saw how bad that went, so now at least they're going over to the screens this season Um so at least that shows some sort of change and some sort of progress I hope it gets better just for the official sake because as an official it is quite embarrassing seeing, not embarrassing, maybe embarrassing is the wrong word, it is quite annoying and frustrating when you, you sort of see that referees are really asking and highlighting again when all you want to do when you switch on your T V and watch football is just look at the quality of the players or the quality of the tactics or the quality of the result rather than moaning about a decision that's sort of gone against the team type thing.
0: Yeah, no, I get that as well. I think again, obviously, I think fans find that obviously the most frustrating thing is just the waiting time for it as well. And the fact that obviously you want to celebrate a goal but you're not sure whether it's gonna go or not. And you you kinda of like, do I celebrate it, don't I celebrate it? I think that's the only annoying thing from like a fan sort of point of view. I think again, like, like we said, if it's been working or it's worked or used in the right way, then it, then it's great. But I think sometimes it can just be frustrating when, like you said, it's sort of like the, a hair or like a sort of toenail or for an offside and stuff like that. They're just, I think sometimes people just obviously wish we could just go back to obviously using the naked eye and then obviously just obviously people are going to make mistakes and stuff like that. But I think obviously like anything in the, in this sort of like age now, it's going to be sort of a a technology based sort of thing, isn't it? We're, we're going in that sort of direction
1: yeah definitely and the the obviously hairline decisions were obviously great but then and everyone says they wish for that Then you come you come to a championship and if an official makes a sort of hairline mistake or or a subjective mistake they're then the worst thing ever so and then everyone in the championship is screaming for var so it, it doesn't it doesn't win like no one can win in this situation it's just they've just got to get it so fans are happy. I think fans are the most important. Players will just adapt to whatever. They've adapted to behind closed doors. They'll adapt to whatever because it's their job, basically. But it's the fans that are the most important. And as soon as they can get the fan experience right, then at least the system will be working perfectly.
0: Yeah, I agree with you, mate. I think I think once the fans are on board, then I, think, I don't think there'll be as much mention about it. I think I think obviously it's still getting mentioned a lot now because it's new as well. I think once we've had it for like more and more seasons down the line, it will become sort of second nature, and we'll get used to it. And like you say, those teeth injuries will get out, and fans will be happy with it. Do you, um, obviously, staying with the sort of the EFL, do you think VAR should be used in the EFL, or do you think it will be in the coming
1: years? Well, so when VAR came in, we were involved in the training. I think they basically thought that it will be in within a couple of years basically copying the same thing copying the way that goal line technology works. I think because of how it worked the first year that's taken a massive back step and also the finances obviously with the pandemic that we're in I don't think clubs will want to fund um, VAR when they're sort of happy-ish at the moment how things are going so their plan was yes to come into the championship but with everything that's going on in the world with with the way it sort of works straight away, I don't think any EFL club will actually want that straight away now. So I think it'll be a while before we see that in the Championship and EFL now.
0: Yeah, um, I don't know if you're aware, well, you're obviously not aware, but obviously you're probably aware that Green's obviously a Leicester fan. But me and Jacko are both uh, fans of Championship teams. Um, yeah. I'm a Derby fan and Jacko's a Millwall fan. So I think from. <laughs> <laughs> not funny, Greeny. Anyway, from. Uh, I think from mine and Jacko's <laughs> point of I'm kind of happy that we haven't got VAR. I don't know what Jacko thinks yeah. about
4: no, um, I, I like the fact that VAR is available. And, you know, I can understand that it, it's a difficult system to sort of bring into the game and you've got to start somewhere. And I, I get that. But, um, as Jack mentioned, you know, the World Cup in Russia, it, it worked really, really well. And, and that's how I envisage VAR going. I, it's just frustrating from a fan's point of view that we haven't got that straight away. And... Um, You know, that's where I see it going, but obviously it's just a a time constraint of it getting to that right spot. Um, One thing I do want to ask about it, Akil, if possible. um, Yeah, that's fine. Do you think, I don't know if you watch a lot of cricket or rugby, but they have a lot of communication audible to fans and viewers between the sort of officials on the field and the TV replay? studios do you think that would be yeah. beneficial from a, a fan's perspective to have that come in or do you think it would sort of confuse
1: situations more so they have they they do release um communication to broadcasters right at the moment so i don't know if you watch football or I've, I've not heard
4: anything off sky when they have used
1: it I didn't know no, so you, you won't you won't hear or well, sky I, I don't know if i I don't know the ins and outs of why, but right. I know when you watch football as well, I know that broadcasters, it, it goes live. The images that you, you see or, or whatever, everything goes live from the VAR hub. So yeah. that is on at the moment. And obviously the broadcasters can obviously hear everything that's being said. Yeah, I I don't know why they don't release that to fans. I don't know why they don't show that live, but there's already enough pressure. So I think putting that pressure, knowing that the whole world can hear you, what you're saying whilst you're making a decision, mm. because I mean, the things like penalty decisions, most of them are subjective. Obviously, Handball came in and it, it came in as a fact. Yeah, but they've gone, they've gone back to being subjective. So, you, you, most of the time, you're reviewing subjective decisions, and you don't say much from the VAR. But what you are saying is, <laughs> it looks like a pull. It looks like this. It looks like that. It, it could be this. The yeah. on-field said this. Blah, blah, blah. If fans started hearing officials or the VAR saying, well, it could be or I mean, there was um, a decision the other week at Leeds Man City. I don't know if anyone remembers that game where there could have been a potential red card um, late on in the game. It was for a tackle, but the the official for that would have been sort of the VAR for that and the official on the day would have sort of said, oh, he goes in like this or whatever. And the VAR would have probably been talking and the broadcasters would have been hearing him say, or him or her sort of say, um, well, I don't think there's much force. Let's see this angle. No, no, it's not very rare. Yeah. If fans started hearing the sort of... It, it's not indecisive. It's basically just trying to confirm and trying to put pieces to the puzzle together right. because it can come across as indecisive. Yeah. If you start releasing that to fans, I think that's just another can of worms that will just get open. And I really don't think that fans are ready. Not the way the system is at the moment. I just don't think fans are ready to start hearing that communication well, okay. at the moment. Especially if you've got
3: Akil saying Paul Pogba needs to put his dummy in
1: eh Akil? Uh-huh. <laughs> you, you, <well, laughs> yeah when, when you've got players moaning at you and yeah because every, every, everything's live it's all recorded anyway but everything's live so yeah anything from the on live yeah. and again you've got fourth official that's right next to the manager so if <laughs> you've had a manager that's because obviously they see the replay straight away so you've had a manager that's sitting there wanting to celebrate a goal and then it's getting brought back Obviously, fans and everyone will hear what the managers are saying. So, it, at the moment, it protects everyone involved. It protects players. It protects everyone involved to not release that at the moment. Just give it to the broadcasters and they then, obviously, from commentary, say, oh, it's been checked. It's check complete. Or it's this. It's, they're looking at this or they're looking at it for this. Blah, blah, blah. And so far, that's probably the easiest thing to do. And it just protects everyone until the system probably gets to a perfect order, like the way goal technology is. Yeah.
0: All right. Thank you. Yeah. So, I, I know you touched on handball, Akil, and I think yes. it's become more and more of an issue over the last coming seasons. Um, yeah. St- straight in there with the question, do you think you it should just be made simpler like it used to be?
1: It, so, we we've I don't know if you're aware, we've gone back in the Premier League and the EFL, we've gone back to how it was last year, the year before that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we, we, we're we not doing European handballs. Um, I call them European handballs because that's where they're usually given. In Europe, if it touches your hand, it's usually a handball. We're not doing that now. We're going back to, if it looks like it's on purpose, it's on purpose. Or as a defender, if you've made yourself bigger, you've gained the advantage for making yourself bigger. Mm-hmm. So in, in simple terms, even though as a defender, you don't mean it. If you've made yourself bigger, you've blocked a shot, the game's played with your feet, not your hands. If you've blocked a shot, that can't be allowed. So, yeah, we've gone to make things just a bit simpler. And that's been in since last week. So, yeah, there'll be no random handballs in our game, at least, um, at the moment. The the, the, the only way you can make it simpler is to do what they've done and do a zero tolerance. But zero tolerance, I don't think, works in the game that we have. Because, well, I say we... I, I don't think it works in our sport as football because people will do anything. You've got defenders putting their bodies on the line just to stop shots and everything. And it just doesn't work because it, the ball will inevitably hit your hand. And it's sort of unfair, really, because people are losing points over it. I support Tottenham. and. <laughs> In the Tottenham
3: Newcastle game, obviously four yeah. points were yeah. given away. Over, over a Let, like let's this. end this yes. podcast
0: now. I think me and Jacko were talking, talking about that Tottenham game. I couldn't. I, we couldn't believe what we'd seen. I think me and Jacko, no. it was ridiculous. Um, I, when stuff like that happens, it's just for me. Like, oh, it's so frustrating. Even if I wasn't, you know, I've got no affiliation to Tottenham or Newcastle whatsoever. But I just think times like that, it's just like...
1: It's just... Yeah, it's awful. Yeah, exactly. But the the only positive, and I sort of wish it sort of happened, obviously I'm a Spurs fan, but I, w- I wish it sort of happened just for VAR's sake. But the VAR on that game was trying their hardest to look for an offside. So it, that might have taken long for the check. But because the, ham, the handball footage was conclusive, The VAR was trying their hardest to try and look for an offside in the build, not try and look, but to see if there was an offside in the build up. Um, And I I know that came on the sort of Sky Sports screens. They were looking for an offside just because they obviously didn't want to be the next person given a spontaneous handball when a player clearly didn't mean it. So they were trying. And and I sort of wish that had happened because I think the press, the fans would have then been like, oh, look how amazing VAR is. They've managed to sort of. Protects Spurs from a from a situation that's really unfair in the last minute of a game by spotting this offside. It's a shame that everyone was onside because now no one can really give VAR that credit. Instead of giving VAR a lot of credit, a lot of people are now slating VAR on the back of that game. But just just I I don't want to try and stick up for VAR a lot, but VAR did try their hardest on that game to see if there was an offside because they. Because obviously, I think officials, and that's why it has changed. We were getting a bit sort of, is this really fair for football? Is this now ruining the game for handballs like that? So they were, we were getting ourselves a bit worked up. But luckily, that has changed. It's gone to the most simplest form that we can have. So in the next few weeks, when football's back here, we shouldn't see handballs like that anymore. So it's good.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. I think this, like, the simpler it is, the the more easy it is to understand as well for, well, for everyone, for fans, players anyone that's watching as well. Um I read online that last year you won an award at the Football Blacklist Awards or something?
1: Yeah, so um it's an award put on by Leon Man and it was it was good to get the invite really, but it's it's just for inspirational black people um in, in football that they that they don't really want it to be players, they want it to sort of be anyone who's not a player um of a black of a black heritage. Um and obviously because I'm a referee I managed to win that award last year, so yeah. It was Congratulations, akil Yeah, well done. Thank you very just,
0: much. Yeah, What well, touch on that sort of thing. Obviously, it's become a lot more prominent in the last, well, last six months, year sort of thing. Obviously, we've got the Kick It Out campaign, um, obviously the Black Lives Matter movement as well. Do you think, um, well, just football in general, does need to do more to sort of include sort of like... Um, black people, Asians, ethnic minorities as referees or sort of linesmen?
1: Um, Yes. and I'm actually working with my bosses at the moment. Um, They are really trying. They just don't know. So we're working on ways of trying to get that in place. Um, So yes, um, there there should be more done, but my bosses are trying and there will be things in place to hopefully get that to, to sort of Hit the forefront, which which should be good. Uh, take the pressure off me as well. <laughs> like Any anymore. so yeah, I, I, I kind of hope that it <laughs> should be good. But yeah, no, football's in a in a tough place at at the moment, and I just hope it sort of comes out of that in terms of everyone just enjoy the game of football, no matter what people's beliefs are, skin colours. Mm. Like I know that with, with like we're in twenty twenty and. There's still not an openly gay footballer, which is fine mm. I just think there has to be like and, and I don't know if that's the fear of people not wanting to come out, but in twenty twenty I think yeah it shows what sort of state the football's in if yeah I, I think,
0: I think in terms of that, I think obviously like football, there's sort of like a um sort of like a generic oh football players are hard, you know football players I think obviously. Well, in terms of that, the whole way across, obviously, with whether that be with people coming out or even that with like mental health and stuff, obviously, you know, our football players can't do that, you know, they're hard or they're sort of, you know, they don't feel like emotions and stuff. And I think I'm actually, I don't know if we spoke about it on the podcast before or I was listening to it on another podcast, but I think if like a sort of like a massive, maybe not even in the Premier League, but like a sort of massive like top end footballer came out. I think, or or even a couple of them came out. I think then, I think if one did it, everyone else or other like people, um, other gay people would have that yeah. co- sort of confidence to come out as well. I just think it just needs one person to just, you know, find that confidence to obviously come out because, like you say, we're in 2020 now,
1: and it's
0: yeah, yeah you know, this stuff like that shouldn't be an issue, but obviously it clearly still is.
1: Yeah, that's really, it, it will happen. The the first person that does it will literally be. I think a lot of people will then just be open and honest with their sexualities, and I think a lot of people will. I, I, I still just really don't understand. I'm not in that situation. I don't. I wouldn't know what people are going through, who are in that uh, situation. Yeah. But when you look at the sort of affairs that football are in, and you look at the world that we're in, I mean, I don't, I've never been to Pride, but I've seen photos of Pride. The amount of people that are at Pride, you sort of think that, well, if there's that many people that are sort of... Uh, um, gay let's say well how can no footballers be gay when that many people play football or or be open or comfortable enough to be open Um, and again same with obviously the situation with not many black coaches not many black referees as soon as you you sort of get one through the door if that's the right way of of saying it that there there will then be a push and and, and it, it just needs to sort of happen sooner rather than later just so we don't go backwards in terms of, I know that there's the Black Lives Matter movement, but then you see the backlash with the Black Lives Matter movement and stuff like that. I don't think there should be backlashes. I think it should, whatever people's opinions are, whatever people want to say, do, should just happen and people just accept it for what it is. And, and, and as soon as we get to a place where we can just accept things for what they are, then I think we'll all be in a better place for that. Ah, cool.
3: While, while you're on the Black Lives Matter, um, have you ever experienced anything in the EFL?
1: From fans, yeah, a, yeah about yeah. your about L- your race. L- yeah, look, luckily not your team. To be fair, luckily not. I, there. There. I thought of oh, Millwall. Must
4: be
0: I
1: thought, Christ, I hope not. Say, I'm very, very surprised by <laughs>
0: Millwall.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, look, luckily, no, I, I got called some bad names at Millwall for wearing a hat. I got, <laughs> got called some bad names <laughs> but for, for for wearing a hat. It, um. I won't repeat those words. I was shocked. I, was, I don't mind if I've got a decision on but I was full fisherman. and I was wearing a hat and they, yeah, they bullied me for that. But yeah, no, in the EFL, um, it's not. Um, it's about five times. Wow. Not not that many, but yeah, about five times. Obviously, I've been on for five years, average about 40 games a mm. season. So I don't know, to protect my own mental health, I sort of tell myself, oh, it's not that bad. It shouldn't happen anyway. But mm. to protect my own mental health, I just sort of say, well, like, it's Going to happen probably once a season, it's not that bad. That's what I say to protect myself. Mm. Um, but but yeah, I have um experienced it a couple of occasions. I wanted to like kick off and be like, Oh, you said that, why you say that? <laughs> um, I, I, I've just got the full process that if I carry on, mm. that fan's probably going to get removed. That fan will be, banned. yeah, if I walk off, I'm going to be a headline. TVs are going to be all over it. Or our assistant walks off because of racial abuse. I don't win out of that, I just look like I'm. I don't know. I, I, I don't think i win. I think i win by just staying on, staying professional, doing my job, Definitely getting on with mate. it. So, yeah, that's Definitely, I'll mate. Um, I'm conscious of time. I've got a few more things that I'm going to go through. And I'm, um,
0: Yeah, I think we were speaking before um, you came on as a group and we were saying, do you prefer, obviously, the current situation at the moment, do you prefer having fans in the ground getting abused or do you prefer empty stadiums and doing it
1: without? Like, what do you prefer? Get, get, get. Yeah, yeah. comes back ASAP. Uh, you know, miss, miss, like, it's it's not the same. For for like for us, i I'm in a team and our team are, are literally doing so well. And we were doing so well in the pandemic before. Um so when when the little project restart, we were doing so well. Decisions were like unbelievable, and then come back start of the season, we're doing really, really well. The the ish, the issue is that and I think that's because obviously you know fans get to relax, etc. Better you're more focused. But it just, the buzz of fans, the buzz of when you walk out, we're walking out into stadiums and are empty. Mm. When you should be walking out into stadiums, like I think we did, we, well, not think, we did Watford v. Luton two weeks ago, which is a big local derby, not playing mm. each other for like 14 years. And we walked out and it's empty. And it's just ruined the whole. Derby Day, and it was it was a bit frustrating, really. But yeah, we want fans back. Akil okay,
3: well, another question. Um, obviously yeah. you referee for the Alliance League, but my boys are in. Yeah. Uh, how, how different is it to adapt when you got to come in referee a, a, a league like that compared to? I
1: I, I will always do it, and um, I, I was at Liverpool last week or two weeks ago, whenever they were, mm. um, and still came and did. Uh, grassroots on the Sunday, <laughs> it, it 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 keeps me it keeps me sane and it keeps me appreciating what I do. And mm. um, so it's only for myself. It's not really for the teams or the players. It's only for myself. I I I can't. If I if, I wouldn't have been able to do that Liverpool game if I hadn't have gone through grassroots anyway. Mm. So mm. I had to go through the grassroots graph And if I go through my life just doing the big teams and, and getting the big appointments or whatever and doing these top games Mm. I won't appreciate where I came from and I won't appreciate how lucky I am to be able to be at the level that I'm at Mm. Um, I also get to just practice stuff so if something did happen on a Saturday Mm. I get to just practice okay well that happened players will play and then I'll just practice movements or I'll I'll look at what players are doing etc and it just keeps me grounded it keeps I just use it as a training game use it as a recovery sometimes and, and yeah it's yeah, it's. A, I mean, in the next two months, it'll be a, it'll be hard because when it gets cold, yeah. I don't like it when it's cold. It's <laughs> when it's hot. But at the moment, I just find it humbles me. It keeps me down. And it, and I love it. I enjoy it. I just run around with a smile on my face. Mm. Um, and I'm sure the players will appreciate me at least. So,
3: obviously, you know, um, on Sunday Leagues, obviously, you get the, the lines linesmen and sometimes you don't know whether they're playing the game or not. Do you know what I mean? So surely yeah. you'll have a better perspective of it. So do you still overrule that, Akin, or do you go
1: with it? Um, I, I find it hard. So it's easier to, it's easier for everyone's sake, if it's credible, mm. whether it's right or wrong. I know sometimes. I just know when they're yeah. right or wrong. But sometimes for everyone's sake, it's easier to just go with the flag, um, mm. knowing full well that the players probably run from distance. There's obviously no cameras you've got a player that's now probably still looks like he's three, four yards offside, even though I can tell that he's ran from deep or whatever. Yeah. But like it's just easier for everyone's sake to just go with him sometimes. It, I will only ever overrule when they're wrong in law and that's getting technical when, it, when I know that it's clearly played by a defender or mm. it took a deflection off a defender who's clearly tried to play it or if the player's not impacted, I'll then overrule. So if they're flagging a player that's in front of them because they're in an offside position... Mm. And it's gone to someone else who's clearly not out overall. But sometimes it's easier to just go with just for everyone's sake because you want you. you I'm there to keep everyone on my side, really. I'm there yeah. to go through without as less stress as possible. So yeah, sometimes it's easier to just go with.
3: How did you end up being a linesman? I mean, obviously, uh, you know, a lot want to be the man in the middle as well. Do you get that option as yes. well, Akil, or is it you're a set yeah, linesman yeah.
1: and that's it? I got that option five. Yeah, it was bang on five years ago, um, and I, I took it up to be an assistant. Um, so they asked, "Do you want to be a referee? Do you want to be an assistant?" I was already on the football league, um, and I, it was might have been a little bit of a cop out, really, looking at my age. I should, should have really just said, "No, I'll stick at it and I'll um, progress as a referee." But I, I sort of just thought that I'll be closer. I'll be one step mm. closer to the Premier League here if I go back and be a referee. What's to say that I'm actually ever going to make it? Um, if I stay as an assistant, I'm, I'm at the championship. I'm one step away from where yeah. I actually want to be. I might as well just stick here. And, so, and so, what's I, the, what's the,
3: the um, target to get to the prem now, then, for you, Akil? Can... Just nip my
1: quick, nip my questions. Yeah, yeah, nice. so <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that that is it. Literally, get get to the Premier League. Um, like this was only ever a hobby. If if that, it was only ever a hobby. I I never had dreams. I didn't. Ever think I'd be where I am at the moment? Um, so, to even be a step away, to be able to have said that I've done so many Premier League teams is already a dream come true. And yeah, the, the, I, the aim is to get to the Premier League. If I got to the Premier League, then obviously the goals change and it will be mm. okay, get to the next World Cup, I've got four years to put myself in the next World Cup, and et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, at the moment, it is just get to the Premier League. And, and
3: How'd you see, get there, what, and what, what, what do you have to do to meet that target to get to the
1: Premier so I don't know if you guys will know but we're all in league tables just like the uh, teams and just like the teams so um, all, all, every referee so every game they, every, every game we do every decision from a throw in from the kick off time from okay. corners obviously goal kicks obviously offside free kicks pushes challenge everything's um, assessed so everything's mm-hmm. evaluated so the game's obviously recorded and every decision is looked at so if you get a hundred percent, where you've got every decision right, you'll obviously mm. move up in your league table. If you've gone through a game where you've got decisions wrong, obviously you'll move down. And obviously, the top person every year obviously gets a chance. Where are you
3: up. in that league? Are you allowed to tell us. Yeah, I've got to put myself. Yeah. Up. <laughs> uh,
1: I don't look. We're only four games in, so there's 42 games left. So yeah, at the moment, I do, uh, I do, I do keep I
3: don't an look. eye on you, Aki. Some dubious ones in there, mate.
1: Wise. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm
3: only kidding,
4: kidding. I'm only kidding. I, I, I'll, I'll ignore what Greeny says he just, he's, in, he's in it for the refs from minute one so just ignore it if you can um, just dump the flag
3: up when Millwall play it will be Yeah,
4: yeah. as long as you don't do it to Derby I'm not bothered just just, just quickly if I could ask do you think football yeah. clubs show enough respect to the officials And and if not do you think there should be some form of I don't know, meeting between the the referees association and the, the teams to sort of discuss that? Because the way I look at it is you, you see it on a rugby field, once the referee starts talking, everyone shuts up and they pay attention to what he has to say. Whereas uh, I know it's a sort of different environment for footballers. Do you feel that would be beneficial for you getting on with the game going forward?
1: Yeah, they they do try and And that's the strangest thing they they do track, so if if you have three more especially at top levels, if you have three or more players around a, surround a referee um the team will obviously fined and and yeah. action is taken against that team so it it's quite rare nowadays to see more than three players around a referee um and it, whenever you do you'll always see a captain yeah. and try and move the players away so the team don't get a fine um at the top though we're quite privileged and blessed because most players are playing for their own contracts and yeah, their careers. They literally just care about themselves unless a howl has taken place. And if a howl has taking place, I think I think everyone just sort of not accept but I think you just obviously have to appreciate the yeah. players will be frustrated. Um but yeah, at our levels, we're sort of fine. I mean, I can use Darby for example. I used to watch um Wayne Rooney on the T V and I used to be like, Wow, he looks like a he looks like he's a nightmare. And then Going to Derby and officiating him, he genuinely is just passionate yeah. about. It. He just wants to win. He it, he doesn't. He's not even on the referees' case. He just wants to win. He's on yeah. his own players' cases, and he's he's just so passionate about winning that it just looks like he's angry and frustrated. And all, all he be. I mean, I had him. It looks awful on TV. But all he's doing is asking me what way of throwing it. But it looks yeah. awful because he's that passionate and that ropes up in the game. And and it is amazing. So I think it's just perceived differently. But from from the elite, from from actually being out there, seeing players, they genuinely don't really care about it. Not don't care. They all they want is the next decision, and it's go their way. So then they can get on with their jobs and okay. obviously just play uh, and, and get on with the game. So I think we're quite blessed at grassroots level. I think it could change. I think yeah. it needs to change. It sometimes. Definitely doesn't. Oh,
4: well I was going to say I've played football with Breen yeah. and
0: I've seen him abuse referees
4: so I, definitely think I was going
0: to say well I I know obviously I'm saying I'm sitting here on this podcast going yeah it needs to change I'm probably one of the worst <laughs> friends <laughs> on Saturday. yeah I'm I'm terrible yeah. at getting on at a referee literally every decision literally in his ear like "Well, a ref 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 this ref
1: that. yeah
0: I'm a, am an absolute nightmare yeah
1: and and you, and it's not even to be horrible but then if you put yourself in the referee's um, the referee sort of position, you've got to think that, wow, that referee's getting that for 90 minutes. Everyone moaning that referee for 90 minutes. It probably doesn't sound great, right. but and, and like I said, probably doesn't mean that well, but in a, in a part where there's probably not a lot of fans, everything can be heard and every player is doing the same thing. It sounds and it probably comes across as yeah. quite evil, but I, I think it's quite, I, I wouldn't know what the answer is to stop it, because I think it'd be quite hard to say no one can talk to a referee, because then I think a game would be quite boring. Um, but yeah, they they have got things like the Respect P- Programme. They've brought in Simbin this season, which if someone does step, overstep the line, obviously they can just get Simbin for 10 minutes. And I think once you've been Simbin for 10 minutes, I don't think you want to come back on and do the same thing again. So they have brought things in for grassroots football, which hopefully does make a change. Um, so hopefully that improves it a tiny bit. And, and it keeps it to frustration. Hopefully that keeps it to more being frustration and passion rather than actual dissent, and uh, I, I want to say it's a form of bullying. It's wow. not bullying, but a form of bullying and actually picking yeah. on the referee for quick
3: one. I on killed before Jack just finishes it off. Um, obviously, you you, you lined uh, yeah. Liverpool the other week. Um, how, how different yeah. is it to line a team like them? What a quick pace team, rather than a championship side. Was it a lot
1: harder for you as a linesman? Uh, yes. Yeah. Like, well, only their defense. Their defense is ridiculous because mm. they do. Um, they push out. Um, so they they spin to the halfway line and they want to try and play everyone offside. So, yeah, it's hard to switch on. Um, we're quite. I'm, well, I'm quite fortunate in the championship where there's so many ex Premier League players. So, and ex Premier League teams, ex Premier League managers. So, some are trying to implement what Premier League teams do. Um, so I was almost used to it, but then actually when you've got players yeah. like Van Dyke actually doing it you're like oh wow this is actually decent I need to switch on here uh, did, yeah, it did it you have to pinch yourself
3: people when people. you uh, stood next to Van Dyke?
1: Uh, yeah but then I had to talk to him as if, was there, <laughs> <and> <laughs> as if he should as if he should know me so I was like oh um, Virgil we're going <laughs> out now yeah come out walk with me so I had to pretend have you got his, you got his
3: mobile number yeah, now taking right, him yeah. Nando's next week right? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and then
1: Jurgen gave my fist <laughs> <by> the TV the <laughs> TV so, uh, so. I have to tell everyone about it, but um, yeah, no, well, it, yeah, it's 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 uh, yeah, yeah, it was good. That's
3: been it's nice to see someone from Leicester doing a good job though. I kid, it's decent, mate. Yeah, big.
1: I was oh, gonna I say, Green, exactly
0: for the roots, big up Leicester. Um, yeah, exactly. Actually, <laughs> it's been a pleasure, mate. It, 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 it really has, mate. No, appreciate um, it. Appreciate thank it. you for coming on, and obviously thank you for being so open. And keep doing what you're doing, mate. You're doing a good job, even though you, you know, I'll probably uh, be arguing, arguing, against your, <laughs> your like, offside decision <laughs> derby this season. <laughs> yeah. uh, hopefully, when I get Derby, <laughs>
1: <you're in> <laughs> you want to watch out for Jacko and his Millwall boys. <laughs> <That's>, uh... <laughs> but no, yeah.
3: But we'll have to, we'll have to get you back on, Ackle, if you want mind coming on like, later in the season, if you don't mind.
1: Yeah, yeah, no worries. Just give me a shout. Cheers. I'll like, yeah, yeah,
3: you come right. Cheers exactly. Thank you
0: very much, mate. Appreciate it. You too, mate. No Just no mate, no no.
2: Sports Social Podcast Network.